it is in your best interest to say fuck that to social media mm -hmm. and text your friends actually send an email to these people that you haven't seen in years send a message to them uh they probably miss you just as much as you miss them especially the artists that have toured for years and have whole ass lives in these other places you know yeah. i know it sounds a little extra but i think there's real power in that diy aspect mm. of going around any algorithm and going back to basic communication the club is functioning we have to trust that they're going to do what they can to the best of their ability mm. and we have to work as if something on their end is going to fuck up that night the least that we can do is post mm -hmm. a flyer about our own show the right. least that we can do is record a reel for every single city. There are ways that that stuff can be scheduled and post when it needs to. However, that doesn't mean that it gets in the complete way of creation. I feel like when it comes to true, just authentic art, you can always get around an algorithm. I feel like you can always get around oversaturation because I've, I've built a large yeah. chunk of my career doing that. Is it always the easy way to do things? Absolutely not. And it's really right. hard and yeah. it should not be like this, mm. but it's kind of low key what happens when the people that don't make music are in charge of a lot of it. episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book, third edition coming this January. Pre-order is out now. Check it out. Today, my guest is Cam Franklin of the band The Suffers. Now, they are an indie, funk, R&B, soul, Afro-Cuban, horn-heavy, incredible band that I discovered at South by Southwest this last year. They were my favorite discoveries of the festival. I got to catch them twice uh, intentionally. The first time was accidental and the second time was very intentional. This came together because Cam can share a lot of incredible perspective and uh, I really appreciated her candor and transparency throughout this conversation. You're going to learn a lot and uh, she doesn't hold back, which I really appreciated as an indie artist and uh, as someone who has been touring for the better part of the last 10 years or so and, and releasing music. She has uh, a lot of great perspective and a lot of important information to share. I would encourage everybody to check out The Suffers. Uh, check out their new album. They have uh, incredible songs on there. It's a lot of fun. If you ever see them touring through wherever you are, definitely get out to a show. They're so much fun. We get into this conversation with the current state of the live music industry, kind of release strategy, how they go about uh, working with collaborators, how they handle songwriting, publishing splits, how they handle uh, running a 10-piece band. Uh, how does that all work? It's 
they had actually she has a really interesting take on this and um, something that I hadn't really heard of before. How she decides to bring on team members, uh, her manager, label, booking agents, all of that, and what she thinks about kind of the the tech giants, the algorithms, you know, the Spotify's, the Facebooks, TikToks, Instagrams, all of that, and how they decide to interact with their audience either through these these platforms and mediums outside of them and just her whole philosophy on what is important to maintain um, as you run a career. I encourage you to stick around to the very end. Uh, there's there's endless gems that Cam drops throughout and uh, you're going to want to listen to this one in full. You can find The Suffers, that's S-U-F-F-E-R-S, everywhere on the internet. Um, find their their new album, which is incredible. You should check out that. Uh, it's it's called It Starts With Love, and the song that we we're referencing, Take Me to the Good Times, is the song that Brene Brown has been using on her uh, podcast, Dare to Lead podcast. The Suffers have, have had an incredible career. They, they've performed on Jimmy Kimmel. They performed on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. They performed on Tiny Desk as an indie band, as kind of a DIY band from the very beginning. And uh, they, they've uh, had a really incredible trajectory. And so you're going to learn a lot about how uh, they did all of that and how um, what Cam thinks about all of it. As always, you can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter. Visit Ari'sTake.com and get on that email list. That's where you're going to find the most up-to-date, relevant information that we send out regularly those emails get on that email list that is how we can we can get around that algorithm and uh, make sure that we go straight to you please pause this right now and subscribe if you haven't already subscribed hit that follow button that subscribe button uh, if you want to keep getting the podcast in your feed hit that follow that like that subscribe button you'll get those and if you can please uh leave a five-star review on spotify and apple podcasts uh those really help we really appreciate that and if you're watching on youtube leave us a a comment i'd love to hear what you thought about this and uh, if you check out some of the other interviews all right let's kick into the show cam franklin welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me Definitely. So um, I have to I have to tell you a little story uh, and then we'll we'll really jump into everything else. But um, so I was at South by this last year and I was at the the recording academy party um, outside and it was um, I was I was on my way out and I was I was just about to leave. Um, I was at the Four Seasons in the backyard there. And and then I was just like yanked to the stage by uh like what i was hearing and i just like gravitated over there um because you had started playing and it's it's like rare i mean south by is like always has the history of discovering everything like that and we we know that but like the suffers was one of my favorite discoveries the my favorite discovery of south by this year it was so much fun and i like i caught that show i stayed for the whole set um, and then I, it's like one of those cases where when bands play so many times over, uh, the week that you can kind of maybe catch a couple more. And so then I caught the final show that you had, um, that weekend um. and, uh, it was, uh, it was a great time. And, and so awesome. it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a lot of fun to kind of like experience, you know, discovery again after, of course, you know, being like two years 
packed, you know, away and, and being away from live music and away from South by and all of that. Um, so that was a lot of fun awesome. <laughs> for me. I love hearing that. <laughs> um, so I'm actually glad that we're talking now because uh, you just finished uh, a solid run of shows, I guess, for the last few months or so. And yeah. <laughs> I we you know we I've been talking to a lot of people in the live music industry and and uh, booking agents and talent buyers and promoters and it's kind of a shit show right now across the industry and I'm curious to hear your perspective and your take like how did this tour go how did these run of shows go how did the U.S. shows go how did the Europe shows go all of it give me the uh, give me the, give me the the, the real <laughs> sauce here <laughs> uh, the real real sauce gets me in trouble yeah. sometimes and. That's why in you're times here. like in time, I know, and in times <laughs> like these, I'm like, damn, will it fuck up my bag to tell the truth? Um, <laughs> more than it already has. Sometimes. Give me the truth, but it's it's a mixed bag. Okay. I will say yes, yes. In a lot of places, it is a shit show. Mm-hmm. It's not a shit show everywhere. Okay, not a shit show everywhere. Um, there are a lot of people being overworked. There are a lot of people being underpaid. There are some people being paid and not doing the work. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I just came off of two and a half months of touring in a year where we were one of the first bands to come back and really tour independently. And I've seen everything from, hey, your show is being canceled because there weren't enough tickets sold Mm -hmm. to, hey, yeah, the ticket sales are low only to find out that the ticket link actually went on sale three days before we got there. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, yeah. And the fans (laughs) were the ones to tell us this. And so that was, yeah, (laughs) I never thought I would see a promoter get yelled at uh, by fans and not like... It it was, it was, it was a long tour. Um, There were also some slam dunks in some new markets uh, that we weren't, (laughs) we weren't planning on at all. Um, And shout out to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, I know, right. But uh, (laughs) there were other places where we'd never been there before that, you know, we were just like, look, we know we're going to take a loss on this Europe. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and we know we're going to have to like fight to get back into this market when it is time. Yeah. Um, but I will say it was worth every dollar lost lo- mm. to get back over there, having not yeah. been over there, especially as an indie in almost five years, I think a little mm. over five years. And <sighs> it's frustrating to hear about independent music because what really is considered independent nowadays Mm-hmm. You know, does it are you independent if you have a licensing deal with a major? Mm-hmm. Are you independent if you have a licensing deal with anybody? Mm-hmm. Are you independent if you're getting help? Like what what really determines that? And I know that's not really what the conversation is, but I think No, we, it definitely I, is. I think that it has to be asked at the same time because yeah. if you're not asking those questions, it's like ignoring the middle class. And if you don't look at those mid-tier artists that can barely come back to work right now, yeah. even though it's just as 
necessary to their mental health and livelihood to play live as it is to, you know, the folks that play every week or the folks that play every night or the folks that are only on the grandest of stages. Um, a lot of people are not going to survive this. And I think what we're all being told in terms of oversaturation is really, really one-sided thinking. Hmm. If like, I really do think it's one-sided thinking. I do think that, yes, we're <laughs> in terms of traditional touring. Yeah. We can't think the way that we once did. It's There's very few bands that are out here doing, um, you know, first time ever tours and selling sure. out rooms or yeah. groups that don't have, uh, you know, hits out right now, be that online or on actual radio filling rooms. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like all of the traditional rules do not matter. But at the same time, there are some people out here absolutely crushing it. Yeah. Um, and is it because they have money? Not necessarily, because there are some folks that have the biggest budgets out there that mm -hmm. aren't doing that great, that are mm -hmm. seeing rooms uh, not get filled up. And mm -hmm. I don't think that now is the time that we're going to really see the analysis or data that yeah. we truly want to see, because all that we have to compare it to is one year that's not even finished mm -hmm. back on. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are honoring contracts from 2019. Right. So in terms right. of like, <laughs> in terms of like, whether your record came out or you had a good year, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't I, really matter because like all the things that would be traditional are not to play. And some of those contracts haven't expired and some of those artists sure. can't fulfill them or some mm -hmm. are, of those bands don't exist anymore. Or some of those artists are not able to tour in the capacity in which they once were. Or sure. some of them are so big that, sorry, baby, you just got bought out by X corporation that needs them more right now. Yep. And so you're seeing with all of those things happening, you're seeing a lot of forced industry shift mm. where a lot of people that used to run shit i'll be shocked if they're running the same shit that they were this time two years from now I, yeah no, absolutely I'm, I'm curious um because yes we have been hearing a lot about oversaturation um as you know, Polestar came out with some numbers um, like last month saying, you know, 2022, if you look at the macro scale and the macro numbers, best year on record, believe it or not, you know, and it's like the the highest revenue generated across the industry, uh, ticket sales have gone up, et cetera, et cetera. But those are like the superstars. And that's what's generating kind of those macro numbers. And then when I talk to more of these mid-level indie artists, the touring artists, even the clubs. I like we had I saw you played the Brooklyn Bowl. We had Paul Bacher, who's the talent buyer of the Brooklyn Bowl and uh, on the show. And, you know, across the board, they're just like, it's what's so crazy is like, OK, yes, there's the oversaturation that everybody gets back on the road at the same time. And so fans now have to decide like where where are they going to spend their money and what shows they're going to go to i mean that particular night it was us at brooklyn bowl mm -hmm. or nathaniel i think who was at radio city nathaniel and we Ratliff. share yeah and yeah. we share a lot of the fans with the night sweats yeah. even though we're on different you know spectrums or whatever and yep i i always feel responsible for my own numbers i feel like mm -hmm. it would be very easy 
because at the end of the day, there's millions of people in New York City. There's hundreds of thousands of people. And sure. that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, we're all going for the same, you know, listeners because mm-hmm. their fans go one way once you get through their catalog and ours go a completely other way. And that's a beautiful sure. thing about music. But I like, again, I feel like oversaturation is just one small part of it. I think sure. that folks are so tired and also um, oversaturation is, I, I I feel like a a bitch ass word when you don't have access to your fans the way that she once did. Well, and I think that search engine optimization and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the algorithms and lack of access to your yes. own fans without paying. Like, yes. I think it's kind of fucked up that once upon a time, and this is from a, you know, not even midsize at this point, we were just getting yep. started. We would have access to maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand people at one time would see our stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was like when we were first getting started. And then right before COVID, a couple hundred people, if we would go active. Now we're lucky if a couple dozen see it. But if we're asked to spend some money, mm-hmm. oh, you might get you might get interaction with a couple mm-hmm. thousand. You spend mm-hmm. this much, you might see this, you know. And right. it got to a point where, especially during COVID, where I felt like I was in a constant battle with mm-hmm. social media and mm-hmm. with this kind of stuff. But when we came back out on the road, I realized it was far more valuable. And I give this to any artist that's about to go out or waiting to go out. Sure. It is in your best interest to say, fuck that to social media mm-hmm. and text your friends, actually send an email to these people that you haven't seen in years, mm-hmm. uh, let, you know, send a message to them. Uh, they probably miss you just as much as you miss them, especially the artists that have toured for years and have whole ass lives in these other places, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so much more powerful to just get that little, and I know it sounds a little extra, but I think there's real power in that DIY aspect mm. of going around any algorithm and going back to basic communication and yeah. reaching out and like full on human connection where, you know, it wasn't necessarily an ad, but I told every yeah. single one of my bandmates, look, if it's one promoter per venue, mm-hmm that maybe, maybe has enough money for an assistant that might also be the bartender, that might also be the accountant, (laughs) that might also be the door guy. Who fucking knows? It doesn't matter however the club is functioning. We have to trust that they're going to do what they can to the best of their ability. Mm. And we have to work as if something on their end is going to fuck up that night, right? Mm. And so that means that the least that we can do is post mm-hmm. a flyer about our own show. The right. least that we can do is record a reel for every single city. Do sure. we want to? Absolutely not. But <laughs> there are ways, there are ways that that stuff can be scheduled and post when it needs to without us ever getting online and interacting. Mm-hmm. And I understand why so many artists don't want to get on. And I understand why so many people that work on the branding and advertising and, and labels, whatever management side, say it absolutely needs to happen because it is a part of the job now. Sure. It is a part of the job now and it sucks, but it is what it is. However, that doesn't mean that it gets in the complete way of creation. That means that, okay, maybe on Mondays and Thursdays, 
you do this and then the rest of your week is dedicated mm. to this stuff right mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have to take up any more of your week if you do all of your cities and all of your your assignments in one day and after doing that we would see the the increase happen like the basic stuff from doing our social media the way that we're supposed to right right um and i'd say real basic as in like we'd maybe see the needle jump for each one maybe two ticket sales maybe mm-hmm. five if we're mm-hmm. lucky taking the time to actually reach out to people, taking the time to send out an email blast on our things that we own, reaching out to people on Patreon, um, going back to our now damn near dead Facebook accounts to actually go and like, be like, hey, I know you don't necessarily see my my music algorithm anymore, but let me bring this over here because as Mm. a human being, it's actually somehow more powerful than this account that I have that has, I don't know, 10,000 times more followers on it. Right. But I feel like when it comes to true, just authentic art, when it comes to something interesting, something truly fun that Mm. people know that they want to be at, it sounds ridiculous, but I feel like you can always get around an algorithm. I feel like you can always get around oversaturation. I feel Mm. like you, it's, I feel like you can always get around all that shit because I've, I've built a large yeah. chunk of my career doing that. Yeah. Uh, is it always the easy way to do things? Absolutely not. And it's really right. hard and yeah. it should not be like this, mm. but it's kind of low key what happens when the people that don't make music are in charge of a lot of it. Absolutely. There's so much there and so many gems. Um, and I want to I've been I've been taking <laughs> notes because I want to touch on a lot of the things that you just mentioned. But um, the big thing, like getting around the algorithm and making sure that you have this direct access to fans. And I appreciate that you, you know, brought up how you go to maybe some of the more non-traditional avenues or just any way that you possibly can get to your fans. And that's what uh, you know, it takes to make sure that they're going to come out. Uh, you mentioned email and text messaging. I mean, that seems to be kind of one of the more tried and true methods as social media platforms come and go or rise and fall or the algorithms, you know, reward you and then squash and punish you. And like, you know, like you said, you, they'll they'll open the floodgates and then they'll restrict access unless you pay. Um, how have you maintained, you know, with the suffers, especially now for 10 years or so that you've been touring, um, how have you maintained that access and that relationship to your fans? Has it been through text and email? And if so, like, how have you been building that up? Is it just through all the social platforms and you just try to find ways to get to them? Is Has there been like a strategy around that? It's definitely been through everything. I think okay. it all started with the initial Patreon that we did to mm. uh, launch our first album. Yeah. And still having that email that original email list that got us started right and then from there touring it went from like an initial couple hundred folks to a couple thousand and it's just Mm. been growing over the years from that we always try to have excuse me we always should have something that people can easily join the list from the merge table or on the website or any of our social media links it always links back to it because at the end of the day that's the only way that I I feel like they're truly going to hear directly from us is like from the stuff that we control. And 
you know, over the last, especially the last year in some of the podcasts that I've done mm-hmm. with other um, people in the industry, especially on the executive side and retired mm-hmm. executive side, sure. um, it's usually that same response where it's always been about the content that we own as mm. creators and, you know, leaning on companies like Meta and Instagram kind of make me feel the same way that I feel about leaning on Spotify and on sure. all these other places where it's like, I feel, <laughs> I feel many ways about it and it would be different if we all got the same access as creators, but right. we truly, but we truly don't and we right. never have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's it's a frustrating conversation that I've had with many artists because um, sometimes you sound like a real hater mm. when someone's having their moment and uh, for some reason you decide that inequity must be the conversation at that time, right? And sometimes it's hard to take a pause when you're in your moment of success to think about uh, the inclusivity and and just wait of what others have to deal with and how you could be using your platform to bring them in a bit higher. Right. And Mm. um, when I talked about the consequences of talking about just anything, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've dealt with consequences from talking about things like basic uh, pay inequity at Mm -hmm. the festivals. And I thought Mm -hmm. that that was obvious shit, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, and even now it's (laughs) hear about these people posting their TikTok salaries and all of that. And I'm like, bet you won't see that with no festival lineup. Right. Bet you bet you won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um ownership and you know you I, I loved the um <laughs> I I loved the yada yada music video and how it's kind of you know the song especially and then I saw the video. Uh but you know the song is is a big um a, a, not not so subtle uh fuck you to kind of uh the industry and you know the movers and shakers and all of that and then the video where i love it's like this this uh saloon style where uh you know the uh you're being trying to be pressured into sign this horrible contract and and it even like puts in there like signing away your masters and your publishing and uh and then you pop into the the room as ms diy style which i love that um, and then you have the good fucking lawyer, like everyone's got their titles and then they come in and in the end you sign a licensing deal. Uh, and then the label guy who's on his way out kind of comes around and comes back in and then more gems are put on the table after you, you guys agree to a licensing deal. I want to know how much of that has been kind of part of your journey through the industry where, where you presented a deal where you sign away your masters and your publishing did you negotiate to the licensing or is this kind of more um, kind of something that you are were dreaming about or, or how much of this is based on your your career? <laughs> oh, man. So the story that I definitely wrote, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thankfully, is not my career. Thankfully, okay. I didn't have to deal with um, signing anything over or having mm-hmm. anything be that dark. Uh, I've always been pretty no nonsense. And yeah. so uh, when that kind of stuff comes near me, it's I, I usually am surrounded by 
really good fucking lawyers (laughs) and people that (laughs) that really care about uh me and my trajectory and my career and Mm -hmm. um there was nothing like this visually that I could remember in a music video growing up. And mm-hmm. all I could think was, man, if you have no interest in reading any of these music industry books that I recommend, um, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. maybe I can send you this music video that's less than four minutes and it can give <laughs> you like four things to at least avoid (laughs) you know i remember when we were first learning about uh contracts i went to texas southern for a little bit and Mm. they had just launched their music business program and uh one of the professors i had was you know if you're just trying to figure it out (laughs) and you're learning all the words that can be in a contract learn the word perpetuity Mm, if you see that just go ahead and just throw the pen away and go get a help, go get some help, go get some, just, yeah, like, just, just go. Yeah. He's like, but even before you even grab the pen, you should have somebody there that understands every word and can talk through it with you. And hmm. for when the first, when the suppers first started, um, it was in terms of paperwork, mm-hmm. a bit of a headache for sure mm-hmm. with 10 people. Right. And we don't have a traditional, uh, layout when it comes to how we get paid and how we you know every band's different and has whatever their agreement says but when we first started it was like a 10-way even split with everything we did and so i think it made everything a lot easier Mm. and we didn't really have to do any overthinking when it came to a lot of stuff um but since that first started and we've had uh departures and had Mm -hmm. to bring in new members it's meant a lot of education with Mm our old catalog versus what we do now. And uh, because we bring in a lot of uh, writers, all of that, even though we're all constantly learning internally how it all works Mm -hmm. and how to do a better job of it with every deal, be it independently with uh, a lot of the only deals that we have ever had have been licensing deals. Uh, Our first album, uh, we own independently outright the original 10 members. And Mm -hmm. then, um, our second album was a licensing deal with Shanaki, and our current album is a licensing deal with Missing Peace, mm-hmm. uh, who also serves as our publicity firm. And, you know, that was a whole other yeah. journey in the industry and like what, you know, and I was like, I didn't even know that that could be a thing. But like, hmm. as I was working on this story with the director, you know, there were certain things that I was so insistent on because I wanted it to be a memory in your mind. So mm. like, I told him I wanted the contract to be so long. It reminds you of a CVS receipt. And so like <laughs> it, it was just yeah. th- those kind of things. But like it can be that overwhelming when you're about yeah. to sign something off like this. And mm-hmm. I try to explain to young artists when they're coming in that like you're all special. And the only mm-hmm. reason that anyone's ever trying to sign a deal with you is mm-hmm. because you have the capability to do something, you know, so, so special and so great. And, you know, you have to treat your art as such. And there's no, there is absolutely no shade in people that go the major label route or go to get publishing deals. Like there's there's real stability that can come from that. And there is a lot of risk that can come from that. But like, I don't think there's a wrong way or a right way. I think at the end of the day, it's all about education and Mm. protection. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody watches this video and, 
you know, they're like, all right. And, you know, they get a little scared, but it encourages them to go and get a, a better attorney yes. before they sign up with somebody, you know, then our job is done. Our little bit of music education, <laughs> ha, you know, has occurred. And that's really yeah. what we wanted to do. How do you, uh, what have you learned over the years um, in how you split everything up with the members of the Suffers? I mean, that's that's fascinating to me. I didn't realize that you did a 10-way even split from the beginning. I can imagine uh, on, in some ways that could be easier, but in some ways, as you alluded to, it can be more complicated as members come and go, especially when it comes to publishing. I, I was looking at some of the credits. I don't know how accurate they are on Spotify, but like, just the suffers were kind of listed as co-writers on some of these. And I was, I'm curious to hear how it works now and what you've learned over the years when it comes to splitting up mass royalties, publishing, um, you know, who's, who's shouldering the costs that go into this, uh, you know, live show revenue, all of that. Quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have... have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and you get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool. And they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Well, that's a much longer conversation than what we have <laughs> okay. for today. Sure. Um, but I can I can go with you know the first question, which goes into just like the basic writing, right? Sure. Um, 
it can be, you know, financially nonsensical to someone that is used to being paid a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it can also be very financially beneficial to a co-writer coming in to work with us. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, prior to 2020, Mm -hmm. the way that we made most of our money was through live shows. It really doesn't matter who we were making music with or who was getting the bigger cut. Because at the end of the day, if you get a million dollar sink and you only got 10% of that, ain't that bad is it right Right. and so that's never really been the oh we're it has no Mm -hmm. (laughs) live shows have been where it's at for a while but um with this last album this was probably the most creative uh split album we've ever had there's certain songs where you know the collaboration with diane warren that's a 100 diane warren song you know we're not going to get that however it still brings a <laughs> insane amount of people that know that she just doesn't give songs out like that. Like she wrote yep. this for me mm. um, to our fan base. Right. And so to me, I'm like, okay, whatever. But then I start listening to other artists whose business is not mine to share um, who have had similar deals and, Sometimes it makes sense that way, right? But we have right. other songs where, like, you might see, for example, Take Me to the Good Times. You'll mm-hmm. see uh, Steve Maria Watkins Masa, and Swati. Maria Massa yeah. and myself. And when we first wrote that demo at their house, mm-hmm. um, that song was a three-way split, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I take it home. Steve and Maria still get a bigger chunk than I now get mm-hmm. because of a former investment that I made with my business partners in this band. However, even though I don't make the same amount of money as Steven Maria, because I'm bringing it back home to this project, Mm -hmm. the song gets expanded upon by my Mm -hmm. band members. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it ends up getting the Brene Brown sync and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff that it ends up doing. I'm just like, huh? Okay. Let me keep going. Because while the suffers has been uh, the project to get me to where I'm at right now. My main focus has been becoming a writer, not only for myself, for other people, uh, producing for myself and other people. Mm-hmm. It's been doing these types of collaborations and showing that while I don't live in a traditional industry city, I can keep up with the best of them in any of these cities, which sure. I now can show especially off of this last album's collaborator list definitely uh but when it comes down to the splits it really now just depends on the song mm. you know if we go back to a song that no longer has a, a band member in it that was in the band at the time mm. they get a different split than they once did depending on who wrote the song right mm. okay this is the only project that i have that's like this and sure. Um, again, I say it because I think it's important for people to know that your band agreement or your business agreement you have with your collaborators is whatever you want it to be. And while some people would probably be like, oh man, I don't know if I do that financially. It has saved so many heartaches. It has saved so many just headaches that could have easily shown up had we not been in setup the way that we are. And it's also protected us just as, as people and as friends. Mm -hmm. And um, even though, you know, shoot, uh, half of the band that we started with is no longer in this band. uh, 
it's still a good place. And I think it's because we did take that time uh, to protect ourselves. So, mm. you know, now as I go into these other journeys and working with other folks and, you know, I see, oh, you know, I'm, I'm making more money when I do songs with this person or this person or whatever, I'm not going to be able to tour with them. <laughs> I'm not right, going to be able right. to do what I want to do with them. And mm. I, I believe that multiple revenue streams is definitely where it's at in terms of overall sustainability for us as artists going into the next uh, generation of everything, not just depending on touring or depending on sync and licensing, because that to me is just like going to the casino, right? But if you go to the casino, there's nothing wrong with going to the casino, but it's like, yeah. if you show up with way more money, you got more chances to win a lot of money, a lot yeah. more money as well, right? Sure. And so that's how I look at it. If I'm writing at the pace at which I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to just lead by my own example and the example of some of my friends that are out here doing it much better, probably with a bit more funding, but uh, just in terms of overall output of the projects, I'm just mm-hmm. like, look, if I can release it, I need to be releasing it because mm. that seems to be where the overall return that I want to see mm. uh, is. And yeah. I don't know what the world, the the future of traditional releases. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to care. I really am. I'm really trying to care. <laughs> but when you have folks, what's his name? I really, ugh, the Spotify CEO. Daniel who Eck. goes on, uh, Daniel Eck, yeah. Who mm-hmm. goes on about uh, how we're going to have to release two to three times more yeah, uh, to see the same return, even though the fans don't have that money supposedly to go to the tours as it is i'm like yeah okay and also it's like where is the funding that i come from to create and finish yeah. these other two to three releases so right and and that i mean just to give context for people that uh are, aren't familiar with with what he said um you know he was saying and this came out a, a few years ago it was basically like you can't be uh releasing music once every three years like you once could and um you know there was a lot of pushback rightfully so from artists saying like who are you tech guy to tell me how to make my art and i think what was you know maybe misconstrued is is it's that in and how like you said release strategy has evolved and it continues to evolve um you know i'm not a daniel Eck or spotify defender but to give context to it all, I think it's um, he wasn't saying this is how you need to make your art. It was if you want to play our game, which you don't have to. Let's put that out for the record. You don't have to play the Spotify game. But if you want to play the Spotify game, what our algorithms will reward you for is if you put out releases frequently. Now, uh, the releases don't have to be a full album. Like, I don't believe... He was saying you have to you have to release a full ten song album every other month. That's that's insane. Uh, that's not just not feasible. It's now we've gotten into this release um, uh, cycle where you know you're what's encouraged is putting out a song, a single every four to six weeks or something like that. Artists are continuing to create in the way that makes sense to them, which is like Absolutely. let's go into the studio. For a couple months, let's make a record for you know a year or something, and then uh, we'll tour on it and, and do that. And that just feels more natural to artists. But the Spotify game, they've given 
the manual and the blueprint. And they're like, if you want to win at Spotify, one song every six weeks is the way to win at Spotify. And with that release, you know, schedule. So it is, you know, it's hard to chase that algorithm. Like Mm -hmm. you talked about at the beginning, because like, you know, now with TikTok, it's like, you know, and, and the way that Instagram has evolved and Facebook and all of it, it's kind of like, are we going to chase, continue to chase, or are we going to lead? Absolutely. And that is like the real question. Like artists have always led. Historically, that is why people gravitate towards artists is because artists are leaders. And I think too many artists are getting caught up in this um, chaos of social media, of uh, the tech giants, of just the influences of the algorithm. And we artists are losing track of what is important and why they're doing what they're doing. And I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're staying true to yourself and you are leading in the way that makes sense deeply to you, it's going to work out and fans are going to gravitate towards you and you're going to have lifelong fans. And it's like the difference between... Uh, an artist like you who has a sustainable, long-lasting career with diehard fans that will be with you for the rest of your life and the flash-in-the-pan moments, the people that are chasing TikTok trends or chasing this trend or chasing that algorithm or something like that. And I think it's an important check that a lot of artists need to get once in a while to remember, oh, we don't have to play that game. We don't have to do the TikTok dance or the TikTok trend or whatever the thing is that's hot this week. That's going to come and go. And there are people who want to do that and that's fine. God bless them. But like for artists that want to lead and look, you know, five, 10 years in the future, not five, 10 minutes in the future, that's the strategy that I think needs to be maintained. I agree. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And yeah, the Spotify algorithm bus just <laughs> Yeah, I mean they yep. again if <laughs> I I I could go on all day. If well, if the platform if the platform yeah. were equal around mm-hmm. the board, I'd have had I would have different feelings about yep. it. Um and I've had people be like, What do you mean? I'm like I have multiple projects that I work within. And when mm-hmm. I open one account on Spotify Artists, I see a whole different world of things yeah. versus my account on another. And I have friends that have, you know, tens, millions more listeners than me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go open theirs and it's like. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, yeah. No, no. And I, I had uh, Sam from Spotify on the show and I, you know, I pressed him on it and I asked him like, are major label artists getting preference and priority? And he kind of skirted around and resources and all of that. And, you know, and I'm like, do they get guaranteed inclusion in the official editorial playlist? And, you know, he's like, well, no, they don't. I'm just like, all right, well, the data says otherwise, but that's fine. Like it, it's, you know, I have my friends who are on major labels and, and it's, you know, it's it's awfully curious that all their releases do get a lot of love and a lot of my indie friends' releases don't. And it's just kind of, you know, now the new number is there's 100,000 songs uploaded a day to Spotify. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah, there is a discrepancy As you there. keep on releasing every six weeks, you'll catch our algorithm. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, exactly. It is it is a rat race for sure. Um, I want to. I'm curious about you know this this uh, sync that you had with Brene Brown on her podcast um, on Spotify. On Spotify, right? Yeah, her, her. That's right. Her podcast is exclusive to Spotify now. Um, how did that come to be? Do you have a sync agent? Was that through your your you know? That was through Brene. She's just a fan. <laughs> yeah, so she amazing. Uh, we're friends with uh, Gina Chavez and Carrie Rodriguez, who do her Unlocking Us music for her other podcast, the thing that's cool. on Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, who are also they're both from Austin and Texas, and she wanted to have another artist for her uh, Dare to Lead podcast, and they yeah. both recommended Suffers and. One thing led to another and she was in the DMs and I'm like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) And so, yeah, we do have someone on our team um, who assists dramatically with our pub admin. Her name Mm -hmm. is uh, Roxanne Oldham and is just amazing at what she does. And um, but I think that world really does take a village. I don't think it's ever just one person. Every sink that the suffers have ever gotten has come from different places we've had some come directly from someone on the show wanting us to uh just have a song that they had heard somewhere on there uh to someone you know a friend of a friend or (laughs) whatever it's it it never makes sense to me i'm grateful every time it happens yeah um and i wish i wish everybody could experience that and i hope every artist does get to experience that absolutely um Let's talk about your team a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned you have a, a slightly non-traditional um, relationship kind of with the the label. Well, I guess you call it a label or licensing deal, PR company, all of that missing piece. Um, you know, you have mid-citizen for management, uh, mint talent group for booking agency representation. Um, talk to me about your philosophy about bringing on team members and maybe uh, how you have settled on who you want to work with. They have to want to be there. <laughs> that, that's, Good baseline. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. I think something can really be said about when you have a team, team member that's there for the money and not for the music mm. uh, from the way that they work for you, for the way that they show up. And we are very, very, very lucky to have the team that we do uh, mid citizens based in new Orleans. New Orleans. And so I just feel like there's a lot less bullshit and a lot more kindness uh, compared Mm -hmm. to what I see in a lot of other cities Mm -hmm. in terms of who works for me. Um, Kindness really leads the way. Like we Mm. all work, we all work really hard. And I mean that for everybody that's in this industry, if we're, if we're constantly seeing one another at the next step, as we continue in our careers, like put some respect on one another's name and like, really like throw that energy somewhere else it'll be a much Mm -hmm. more positive space but um i feel as though everybody that works for me you know i learn from them all Mm. the time like it's Mm. not a place where they can't talk to me it's not a place where um people are made to feel some type of way or whatever about making mistakes or whatever like yeah, it gets real sometimes. And like, I will always be honest with them and share my opinions with them when I see something or when I feel something is like off. But at the same time, I trust every single person that works for me. 
um, especially when they do go out of their way to give me uh, the reality of whatever situation it is I'm dealing with, be that mm. the cruel existence that is touring as an independent musician right now, yeah. especially with a band this big. Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, also, like the fact that, you know, hey, you know, our album's doing really good in terms of the press cycles and what everything that's going on, but we can only reach so much, you know, of an audience with what we have right now and what we have access to. Mm. And it's like to go broke reaching my audience, man, fuck that. I'd rather like put more time, focus and dedication into building up an authentic one rather mm. than buying one from Zuckerberg or any of these other motherfuckers <laughs> that really don't care about us. Truth, the truth. That's great. I mean, that's um, kindness. I mean, and, and making sure that they're, they're there for the right reasons. I mean, that's that's so huge. And I think a lot of people might lose track of that when, quote unquote, powerful people might approach them and they might just look at the roster and not look at the people, um, you know. Is that uh, with with at least, um, I guess, mid-citizen based out of um, New Orleans, was this something that happened naturally? I know they have Tank and the Bangas. I know that they uh, work with um, a Big Frida, uh, both New Orleans-based artists. Um, I know they have Loka Connie out of Philly, who's another kind of road dogs. I've seen them over the last 10 years or so um, around the country. Um, what was kind of, did they, were they at a show? Was this just like a, a how long have you been working with them? Ooh, we started working with them at the end of 2018. Okay. And, uh, it was not, uh, it wasn't a show that they saw. It was like the very, very ending of a show, I guess it was, mm -hmm. uh, so Meredith was, she was formerly working as an agent at High Road Touring before she trans transferred over to the management world. But she mm -hmm. was there to say goodbye, I guess, to a bunch of her coworkers. And we were at a music festival out in Sonoma that um, Abbott Brothers and Lake Street were headlining. And mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it was a wine festival. And at that point, our uh, closing music was Big Frida's ass everywhere, I think it was, I'm almost certain. And <laughs> nice. so Meredith walks in, she's like, who's playing Big Frida? And uh, we were like, oh yeah, that's our closing music. And then um, the conversation just kind of went from there. And at that point, we had been very actively looking for a new manager. And mm. I'd had a, <laughs> I call it a, uh, one of the worst weeks that I've ever had in my career uh, just in terms of seeing how bad the industry can be mm. when you're vulnerable. And mm. I went to Nashville to go and try to find the right manager. And it was just snake after snake after snake. Mm. And it was funny how when I wasn't even looking for it, the universe was like, oh, here's this awesome person that is perfect for what you need right now. And um, it's really been such a really good partnership with them and, um, you know, we're very, very lucky to have both Meredith Reed, everybody that's at Mid-Citizen Mid working for us and yeah. uh, representing us. And I mean, that that's the same for everybody on our team. We've been with Mint um, mm -hmm. just a little over a year, almost two years. And, mm -hmm. you know, same thing. It's, it's nice to just, 
Um, and not saying anything negative about any of the people we've had on sure. our teams before, because they're all incredible people. I feel like anybody taking the chance to work in this industry, you're, you're all nuts. But at the same time, <laughs> there's something really um, incredible to have sure. like the selflessness to really uh, go out there and represent another artist to, you know, the best of your capability and so, yeah. and not know what's going to happen, you know? And so yeah. um, being at this stage of my career, mm-hmm. I'm very, very grateful to be here. And mm-hmm. um, again, just really lucky for the team that I are really lucky, really grateful for the team that I have and mm-hmm. uh, just look forward to continuing to grow with them. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I was down in New Orleans um, for NOLA Music Tech uh, earlier this year, and I saw Reed and Big Free to speak on a panel, and it was Reed who who uh, owns um, Mid Citizen, and uh, it it was clear that he and the ethos around the company was very different from what I experienced at many management companies here in LA, um, and. It was there was an energy and a passion, and uh, and and a kindness, like you mentioned. That it's just it's it's rarer to see, um, and I really appreciated seeing that. And then I spoke on a panel uh, with with Sean uh, Montgomery of, of Mid Citizen Two, and and similar with her, and she was talking to me about kind of uh, you know what she was doing with Tank and the Bangas, and and it was it's like. Like you mentioned, I, I think a lot of the industry uh, gets in our bubbles, especially in LA. We we feel like the whole universe revolves around just like what is in these hubs, and lose track of that there is industry, important industry, not just you know artists that are uh, everywhere. Um, that they can be forces of good, and they can kind of teach the others in the industry, uh, how it can be and the relationships that you can form that can be more genuine. And, um, and, and just, I guess, just, just um, rooted in a, in a space that uh, where the intentions are more pure, or at least they are um, rooted in kindness. And that's, that's maybe something that uh, a lot of people in the industry lose track of just just by the sheer nature of like, you know, um, what is ingrained in them early on and when they're rising through the ranks or when they're at the agencies or where the intentions are are oftentimes solely financial based and it can be cutthroat in a way that is uh, not healthy, uh, like emotionally, but also not healthy just for the business at large, just for the industry. I mean, we're all connected and we're all in this together. Um, and so it was refreshing <laughs> to get out of LA and to see uh, other companies that operate slightly differently. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess just overall, as uh, who have been some of the guiding forces throughout uh, your career? Um, maybe in addition to some of the, uh, you know, team members that you've had just that have that have influenced you or guided you um, in a way that kind of brought you to where you are now? Uh, my family. I'm, I'm very lucky to have a supportive family. Um, none of them did music professionally, but, you know, mm-hmm. they've been very 
very supportive of me, my friends who, you know, they really keep me in check. And I think growing up in a city like Houston, it's just, it's real, you know? (laughs) So when I leave and I go other places, um, it took, you know, my first few weeks in LA, it took me a long time to realize that, oh, maybe, or see you later means no, not maybe, (laughs) or that I'll see you later. Um, But like, Mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel the biggest influence has been my city and the the Mm. people that have made it out of here and continue to show me, you know, what that looks like for me and Mm. where I can go from here. Amazing. Well, Cam, I, I really appreciate you being so candid and, um, and sharing, um, all of your perspective, your incredible perspective and your thoughts, uh, around the industry and being so transparent with everything. Uh, not a lot of, artists are and uh that is uh why i i, I know that the, you're, i knew you're gonna go there and that is why you're uh you're here and i really I just, appreciate you, know, you doing that i just tell the truth i you know we need more of that and so i i really appreciate that um i have one final question that i ask everyone who comes on the show and uh that is what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business um to make it in the new music business if we're talking in terms of financial, you know, that means just having the bills on auto pay and going to Target whenever I feel like it. Um, in terms of, I think, my overall happiness is mm. knowing that I constantly have to learn from this industry, no matter mm. what I think I know about it. Um, making it means that I'm still here and creating with younger artists and uh even creating with you know it doesn't matter what the age is i've always been impressed you know by artists like mavis or herbie hancock or stevie wonder the ones that can come back and work with the younger artists and immerse themselves without like you know skipping a beat i want to have that type of career where it's you know yes there's always a stage part of what i do but there's always that music creation Mm. part in the studio where I'm creating and I'm making the path easier for whoever comes next. I love that. Cam Franklin, thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. So it is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com